nothing else but greatness. Amen. And when we think about greatness, I want us to think about greatness in the context of the kingdom of God. Because a lot of times when we think about, oh, I want to be great in life, we think about grind and hustle. And that is what the word world allocates as greatness. But when we think about greatness in the kingdom, it goes beyond grinding and hustling and just making money and just making yourself known. But the grind of the kingdom is literally the end result is should be the glory of God. I want to say that one more time, the, not the grind of the kingdom, but the greatness in the kingdom of God, the end result should be the glory of God. So every one of us who have been called for greatness, we have been called basically to display the glory of God for all to see. And that is what each and every one of us is called to. And if you read, if you read the scripture on the screen, Isaiah chapter 60, verse one to three, can I get a volunteer to just read that real quick? Isaiah 60, verse 1 to 3. It's on the screen. Don't even got to open your Bible. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Lisa, for, for reading. So we see here that this is basically the call and the mandate of every believer, that we ought to arise and shine, for the light of God has come. And it says, it's funny how it says your light, because the light that we have is the light that Christ has placed inside of us. That's why since we were young, we say, youth, arise and shine, because God has called us to pursue greatness. That is our DNA as believers. And I want us to understand that this greatness is to what? For the whole world that is filled with darkness to behold the glory of God that is inside of you. It doesn't matter how far you've been from God. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with God. You are inherently and inherently wired to produce the glory of God for all men to see and come to the knowledge of Christ. Amen. So, okay. And I want to, establish this truth even further with scripture because when we come especially doing a fast we want to emphasize and back up everything with scripture says truth number one every child of god is called and made for greatness ephesians chapter 2 verse says that for we are his workmanship his work of art his masterpiece created in christ jesus reborn from above to do good works which god has prepared before the foundations of the earth so that we would walk in them living a good life which he prearranged and made ready for us you have to understand that the moment you were born god said i already had a package made for you all you have to do is walk in it a lot of the times we get conflicted and confused about what is our call or what does god have called us to do or what is my purpose and plan in life literally god has said that listen when i made you before even the foundations of the earth before you were formed in your mother's womb i already had a pre-packaged plan for your life and that plan is for you to do good works that's why jeremiah 29 11 says that for the for i know that the plans that i have for you says the lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. So mm -hmm. if you think that coming to God and embracing Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior has any harm in it, it is an error and it is a lie. I'm here to tell you that this morning, that when you accept your inheritance as a child of God, accepting Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you have accepted not only him as your Savior, but the plans of greatness that he has for your life. So that is something that I really want to emphasize because a lot of people wonder why they don't even either they don't know how to pursue greatness or they don't know the vision or the plan for their lives. It's because every all of that is hidden in Christ. You cannot have that without being in Christ. A lot of people are wandering, trying to figure out what is the next step for their life. But the Bible says literally in the scripture that he has prepared beforehand. The plan for your life. The question is, are you tapped in or are you in communion with God to figure out or to be revealed to, to receive that plan for your life? And that is what this fast is setting us up to do, that we will pursue God so that the plans that he has for us, the plans of greatness can be revealed to us and that we can walk in them. Amen. Amen. And I want us to understand why we are wired to pursue greatness. 
In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, God said, let us make man in our image. I want to pause there. Every time you are made in the image of someone or something, it is a reflection of who they are. So we know that God is great. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. And God literally said, let us make Lisa. Let us make Auntie Angela. Let us make Auntie Ruby. Let us make a Homa in our image. Meaning that a Homa, Auntie Ruby, Auntie Angela, every person on this line is a reflection of the glory of God, of the image of God. Meaning that you have literally received the inheritance of the image of God for yourself. And that is why we are wired for greatness. Because you can't tell me that you're a child of God and you are a failure. Because that is the opposite. He has created you. And every person that is created from God carries the inheritance, the DNA, the power, everything that God has, it is inside of you. It is inside of you. And I know that's hard to believe because sometimes like, okay, I'm created by God. I'm created from God. But yet my life doesn't match that. And we're going to explore that more. So I want us to emphasize, especially in this verse 27, it says that, so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So mm -hmm. I want us to just stamp for everybody that because you are a child of God, because you are made in the image of God, you are inherently born to do great things. That is your destiny. It may not be, you may not know what the specific thing is, but every child of God is born for greatness. Just like penguins can't fly, just like dogs can't fly, just like birds can't swim, certain birds, but at the end of the day, whatever you are made from, is that that is what you replicate and that is who you are. So we are made from God. That means that we are walking pillars of greatness. Amen. Amen. Yes. So that was not even the thing. That was just the, uh, yeah, intro. <laughs> intro. Yes. Thank you. So now we're going to do a deep dive on what hounding of greatness looks like. And we're going to use Joseph as the case study. I think that in, especially in my preparation for this, I over I underestimated the story of Joseph because there's so many key things that Joseph had to go through and it aligns with us as believers. When I was reading through the story and I was really connecting it back to the overall theme, I realized that Joseph is like us. He is literally like us. And I want and I'm gonna take us through the, the scripture so that we can understand how we are supposed to pursue greatness, looking at it through the lens of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So I want us to emphasize this first point. The pursuit of greatness starts with the word of God. The pursuit of greatness must start with the word of God. If I can have a reader to read Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 to 11. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 to 11. I don't have it on the screen because it's too long. But if I can have a volunteer to read. I hope nobody's sleeping. Genesis chapter 37 was 5 to 11. Yes. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 to 11. Mm -hmm. I'm reading from the NKJV. It says, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. Verse 7. There we were, binding sheaves in the, sh in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. My sheaf. Verse 8. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and eat and the eleven stars bowed down to me. Verse 10. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? 
verse 11. And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Verse 12. No, no, right there, verse 11. Thank you. God bless you. Right. Amen. Amen. So from this short excerpt of Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 to 11, we see that this is Joseph's first encounter with the vision or the word that God has over his life. Now, the question is, did he steward it well? Not really. But at the same time, this is what I love about God. God still reveals the vision to Joseph, even though Joseph was immature. Because it provides us with a lesson that we ought to learn that even when God shows you a vision over your life, one, it is important to steward it, even when you receive it. It's not for it. Sometimes it's not for you to be going to announce to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And on the second time, on the second layer of it, when God gives you a vision, people around you will not understand it. Nine out of 10 times, people won't understand the vision and the plan that God has over your life. And nine out of 10 times, they will discourage you. It's not that Joseph's dream or word of God was wrong. It's just that when he was explaining it to people, people did not understand it. Even Joseph didn't understand it. Because a lot of the times when God gives us a vision and a word, it seems so grand. It seems beyond our limits, like our very limitations. And at times, we can misinterpret it and we can allow other people to misinterpret and discourage us. But I want us to understand that when we, in order for us to pursue greatness, one, it starts off with God giving us that call. I always hear this phrase, the caller is the one who keeps you. The one who has called you through his word, not through anything else but his word, is the one that will keep you through. And I want us to emphasize that when we pursue greatness, the word of God is the one that assures us greatness and gives us the energy to continue even through hard times. And we're going to see that in the life of Joseph. And I want to quickly just ask this question. What is your vision? Chris has dynamic vision. And I think the slogan is, what is your vision? And when you think about vision, we have to understand that vision as a child of God does not come outside of God. It comes when you are in God, right? God is the one that reveals to you his vision for your life. And a lot of times, and I want, us to I want to emphasize this, that you cannot have a vision outside of the one who created you. God created you. He knows exactly what you are meant to do on this earth. So if you try to pursue a vision outside of that, you will fail because mm -hmm. you're not made for that. If a dog was to try to fly, it would constantly fail because it's not made to fly. So whatever you are called to do, you have to make sure that one, it is something that God has for you. Not what people have, not what society has, but what God has for you. And I love the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9. It says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind, no, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But, I love that. It says, but it has been revealed to us by his spirit. So all these plans, it says that no eye has seen, nobody on earth can fathom the plan that God has for Justina, the plan that God has for uh, Lisa, the plan that God has for Carol, the plan that God has for every person on this line. But the Bible says, but he has revealed them to us by his spirit. So the question is, how can you understand the vision that God over, has over your life outside of his spirit, outside of fellowship with him? It is impossible. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of us are walking through life stumbling because we're constantly trying to use our infinite mind to grasp and to work out something that only can be found in the spirit of God. And that is why we struggle. And then we turn back and try to curse God and say, God, what did you do this for? But God's like, I never told you to do this in the first place. So it's not my fault. It's not my fault. So we have to understand that just like with Joseph, the grand plan that God had for Joseph's life started off with a dream, started off with a vision, started off with a word from God, a word from God. So I want you, as you are pursuing, as you are doing this fast and pursuing greatness, you are asking God, Holy Spirit, you are the one who searches the deep things of God. What is my purpose and my calling in this earth? At the end, to give you a general idea, the purpose and the calling of your life is to glorify God. But at the same time, God has a specific plan for your life that you need to um, you need to seek God out for. Right? He says plans. It's not just one plan, but he has a series of plans that he wants to reveal to you if only you are positioned to it. And I pray that God will position our hearts and our minds to ready to receive that vision. Amen. Amen. Amen.
And I just want us to um, give an example of the fact that greatness is affirmed and called by God. Ooh, I'm running out of time. Let me just skip this slide. I kind of went through it. All right. Yeah, I'm just going to skip this slide. Okay, now I'm going to start off with this other point. The greatness of God, the greatness that God calls us to is not inherently contingent on the position we hold. And I want us to emphasize that because a lot of the times when we think about greatness in society, it's always related to what are you doing or what position do you hold in this society? Are you a leader? Are you a uh, CEO? Are you an entrepreneur? Are you someone great? And a lot of the times in society, greatness is tied to the position that you hold, right? But in the kingdom of God, it's not like that. And I want to quickly read Genesis chapter 31, 39, verse 1 and 2. And it says that, and Joseph, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the royal guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he be, and even though he was a slave, he became successful and, pros, and a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Before I even talk about Joseph's position, I wanna I want us to understand why Joseph, even though being a slave, was successful. The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. That mm -hmm. word with is a Hebrew word. I don't know how to pronounce it. It says the Hebrew word is F. And that same with is found when we think about Enoch walking with God. That means that the fellowship that the Lord had with Joseph was like a an active communion and canonia that Joseph had even after he was sold and brought into slavery. So the, the success and the favor and the greatness over Joseph's life at this point was not because Joseph was just also great, but it originated at, out of the fact that Joseph had a strong fellowship with God. That means that no matter where we go, so long as we have close fellowship with God, we are bound to be great. No matter if you're a slave, no matter if you are a toilet cleaner, no matter what you do, it is not contingent on position, but it's contingent on your position with God. Mm -hmm. Not contingent on your position with society, but contingent on your position and your fellowship with God. So Joseph knew, and I feel like Joseph had no choice but to hold on to God because at this point his brothers have sold him. He's by himself. There was no phone there. There was no one to relate to. He was in a foreign land. He was in an Egyptian land, meaning that his Jewish co-brothers were not there. So he was by himself. So he had no choice but to hold on to the God that his father, Jacob, taught him about. And a lot of the times when you're in a position or a place where you're new or you're in a new environment, you're going to hold on to what you know. And that is what Joseph did. And that's why it says he, even though being a slave, became a successful and a prosperous man. And that is something that I want us to understand. The greatest of God is not contingent on the position that we hold in society, but it's contingent on the position and our fellowship with God. Amen. Next point. Oh, this is my favorite point. Our greatness in the kingdom of God is contingent on how we handle the smallest assignments. The smallest assignments. You see, because Joseph understood the nature of God, he knew that anything that he finds his hands to do, he has to do it unto the glory of God. He said it didn't matter if he was a slave because you have to understand Joseph came from a very wealthy family. Jacob was loaded. Jacob was loaded. He gave Joseph the most colorful coat and that probably cost a lot of money back then. Okay. But even though he went from wealth to poverty and literally over a night, he still was able to steward himself as a slave correctly because of his fellowship with God. And when you're in the kingdom of God, how you handle smallest assignments, the smallest assignments or the smallest tasks will determine the greatness that is coming before you. Because Matthew 25, 21 says that, his, this is a parable that Jesus was explaining. It says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. My dad always says that. Listen, God will give what God God will give you something small, and He's looking to see how you steward it, how you will steward it. So that means that no matter what assignment you have, it's not. I'm not even talking about just church assignments, which is important too. But I'm talking about anything that you find yourself to be, any title that you hold in this life. Whether it be a daughter, whether it be a son, whether it be a friend, whether it be a student, whatever it may be, you have to steward it well. Because if you're faithful over that, then God will set you over much. 
You cannot ask God for greatness if you don't know how to do the simple thing. That's why I've learned and I'm still learning that every assignment that is given to my hands, I do it as if like the president of the United States is asking me. And I always check my heart. A lot of the times I check my heart to say, okay, if chairman asked me to do this, how zealous would I be to finish this job? Even though Jesus should be our ultimate standard. But sometimes even with Jesus would be like, oh, okay, we'll take our time. But it's like you think about the thing that checks me. It's like, okay, if someone of high importance told me to do this, then how's, what is my heart position? Right? And that is something that I want us to take in mind. Even It should be even not just the fact that chairman has called us to do something. We should think that in mind. But the fact that Jesus has called us to do this thing. That is who he is, the, the name above every other name. So that is the person who's calling us to do every assignment that's given unto us. So whatever position you find yourself in life, do not despise it. Do not complain. And that's something I'm still learning about. I have to complain 90% of the time, but God is still teaching me that, listen, anything that you find your hands to do, anything that I've given you, you do it with fidelity and you do it with the joy of your heart. And you do it. And the Bible says that when you do that, it says you enter into the joy of your master. Amen. So that's Amen. another point. Handle small assignments with zealousness so that God can set you over much. Next point. Pursuing greatness in the kingdom of God will always come with a test. It will always come with a test and it will always come with tribulation. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 7 to 8, it says that, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in this house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. You see, I wanted to highlight the fact that it says, and it came to pass after these things. Listen, as you're pursuing greatness in the kingdom of God, there's going to be success. There's going to be success. You're going to see that, wow, people are just seeing the favor of God over your life. But don't get too comfortable because the enemy will try to test you and say, okay, if this test comes into this person's life, will they go, go back and curse God? Pursuing greatness will always come to a test, with a test. And the reason for that test is not because God is looking for you to fail. But now I'm learning that every test that comes in our way, to our way, as a child of God, is literally to mold us to be fit for the destiny and the purpose that God has called us to. Mm -hmm. You see that Joseph was in Egypt. There was many idols. So he probably... Pass the test. Okay, I'm not going to bow down to any false god. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And remember, the Bible said that Joseph was handsome. So that's what the final test is. Like, okay, if since Joseph is also handsome, the favor of God is upon his life, let me throw this woman into his lane and see how he handles that. And the Bible says that, but he refused. And you have to understand that the, the temptation with Potiphar's wife was not a one-time thing, but it happened several times. So that means that Joseph denied her several times. So it will always come with the test. And the only sure way to pass that test is what? Going back to fellowship with God. When you know, the and I don't know why I use this version, but other versions say that Joseph said, how can I do this to my master and do this to my God? So those are the two things. He knew that his master, through the favor and the fellowship that he has with God, made him Lord over everything in his house. So he said, that, how can I do that to my master? And moreover, how can I do that to the God that brought me all of this favor? So you see, God, Joseph was so steadfast and immovable, immovable because of his fellowship with God. If you want to pass the, pass the test, you have to make sure that your firm foundation is Christ. You have to. Or there's no other way. And do not despise tests. Do not despise tests when they come because James chapter 1 was 24. And I want to read this scripture because a lot of the times when we have difficulties, tribulations, and challenges, we don't see it from God's point of view. And this is God's point of view when it comes to tribulations and challenges. It says that, dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then be happy. For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Don't try to squirm out of your problems. For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you'll be ready for anything. Strong in character full and complete. I literally have to tattoo this scripture on my forehead because a lot of the times when tribulations and temptations come, believe you me, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I tell the best. I'm not happy. But I have to remind myself that 
when this happens, tribulation can come from anywhere. It can come from your house. It can come from your workplace. It can come from, and it can even come from within your own thoughts. But the Bible says that be patient. Allow it to prune you because then you will be ready for anything. Because Joseph was able to pass all his tests, he was able to be Lord over much. And that is what God is calling us to do. And the package of pursuing greatness is, does not come without tribulation and tests. I want to just name that for everybody because when you're pursuing greatness in the kingdom of God and you're going through these challenges, just know that it is God working all things together for your Yo, good. bro, why does, why does Denny's going to be an enemy in my life? Why is Denny's going to be an enemy? Can you please mute yourself, please? He, Thank I think you. he wants to go tell... Can you, somebody mute her, please? <laughs> we got to pay attention. I don't know why Denny's going to be. Amen. 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 Tribulations and difficulties. See, all of this, all of this is so that patience and character can grow in you. Amen. Amen. As you pursue greatness in the kingdom of God, God will lift you above impossible situations. One thing I realized about Joseph's story is that no matter where he was, whether he was a slave, whether he was in prison, the Bible says that God was with him and he had favor. So it doesn't matter what situation you are in, even if it's impossible in the eyes of the world, God will grant you favor and like unprecedented favor. Because of the fact that you are with him. Every time we see Joseph's situation, either about to take a turn, or we see that Joseph is in a predicament that is just unfair. Because you have to remember, Joseph's life was mostly unfair. He was literally sold as a slave, accused of something he didn't do, forgotten in prison, but yet still, what, Lord over everything because, what, the Lord was with him. The Lord, if I was Joseph, I would have failed the first test because I'm like, man. Brother sold me. I would have been so disgruntled, so filled with bitterness because it's like, how can my brothers sell me? How can my brothers do this? And now my brothers are living the lavish life with my father and now I'm stuck as a slave. But Joseph allowed those things to mold his character so that by the time he saw his brothers again, he wasn't ready to condemn, but he was ready to forgive. That's what the Bible says in all things and no matter what situation, when you know that the Lord is with you, no matter what situation that you're in, you are able to persevere and to literally be lifted above impossible situations. Amen. 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 Again, the pursuit of God gives you the grace to minister to others, even when you're in your own trial. And this is super important as a child of God. When you are a child of God and you're going through tribulations and challenges, you will still be called to pour into others. It doesn't matter if it's at church. It doesn't matter if it's at school. It doesn't. It is a part of the package. It is a part of the package. The pursuing greatness is not just you being great. It's about you demonstrating the life of Christ no matter what. There's a grace for that when you pursue greatness. And I want to read Genesis chapter 40, verse 2 and 4. It says that, And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And it says that, and Joseph and the captain, sorry, this is blocking. Sorry, this is Okay. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. I want to read that again. It says, we start from verse three. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. That word serve in the Hebrew means sharath. Sharath means to minister to or to serve. So that means you have to understand Joseph's predicament. He was thrown in prison by false accusations. And now two chief officers who got the Pharaoh angry were brought into that prison. Joseph could have done another thing. He could have rallied them together and be like, yo, Pharaoh's so unfair. He so this, he so that, he so this. The Bible says that he was given charge over them and he ministered unto them. He served them. A lot of the times when we, especially when we go through trials, it's so easy to want to just complain and to just kind of rally people on your side. I've been there. But the Bible says that even in those moments, you are called to serve and to pour into others who need that type of reassurance that God is with them and God is real. So as you've been called to greatness, understand 
that in this call, you are still called to minister unto others, to pour into others, to bring life, the life of Christ, the awareness of the life of Christ unto others, even when you are going through your own trial and tribulation, because that's what Jesus did. I will never forget this story in, in the book of John, where Jesus finishes praying in the in, the, in Gethsemane. Blood is sweating from his face. And then they're about to arrest him. Peter cuts the ear off of the, the soldier. But then Jesus, even though he's under so much pressure, he decides to take the ear of the, the, the soldier and put it back. You have to understand, even in the midst of intense pressure, he's about to fulfill the greatest call of his destiny right now. And he's not, like, he's conflicted. He's His soul is this all. But that at the end of the day, the Bible said he still did what he had to do. He still was pursuing greatness by what? Trying to reconcile men to God and trying to minister the life of God into, into his life, into the life of the people around him. So just understand that that is also a part of the call, the pursuit of greatness. Amen? And one more thing. It says that pursuing greatness in the kingdom of God will cause the giftings of God in you to manifest. When we read through Genesis chapter 40, verse 7 and 8, it says, I'll read verse 8, and it says, actually, I'll start from verse 7. It says that, so he asked Pharaoh's officials who are in confinement with him in his master's house, why do you look so downhearted today? And they said to him, we have each dream distinct dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. So Joseph said to them, do not, do not interpretations belong to God. Please Tell me your dream. I want to emphasize something right here. Before even the verse seven, the Bible says that when Joseph woke up, he saw that the two baker, the baker and the, the chief cupbearer were depressed. That's what verse six says. And the Bible says that Joseph sensed their grief and he asked them, why do you look so downhearted? And I want to emphasize that because pursuing greatness in the kingdom means that being aware of what other people are going through. It's not just about pursuing your own destiny, fulfilling, 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 fulfilling your destiny, fulfilling your call. But a part of that is being aware of the situations that people are, are going through. If you're truly called, when all of us are truly called by God, and a part of that means being sensitive and being, as I said before, pouring and ministering into others, even when they are not in the best shape right now. And that's what God is calling us to do all the time. And I want to move on to the next point where it says that the gifting of God in you will manifest. When these two people had the dream, Joseph was able to depend on God to allow the, the dream, the gift of interpretation of dreams to manifest so that they can help, they can be helped in their situation. So understand that, and I want to emphasize that, that pursuing greatness a lot of the time in the kingdom of God, 100% of the time in the kingdom of God is really to minister and serve to others for the glory of God. So don't get it confused that God's not calling you to fame and fortune. Glory be to God. But at the end of the day, fame and fortune will be added to it, praise God. But at the end of the day, his ultimate goal is to glorify himself. And he will use any means necessary. Now, one is, and the reason why I'm adding all these different aspects of pursuing greatness, because I don't want you to be deceived that pursuing greatness in the kingdom of God is easy. It is not. It comes with a lot. It comes with a lot because God wants to literally mold and shape us to be equipped to be steadfast and immovable, and to be literally a pillar of glory for all the world to see. And that's what Joseph became. And I want to quickly, because my time is running out, but I want to quickly jump to the end all be all, the overall impact of pursuing greatness. Pursuing greatness is not just for yourself, but it's for your family, for your society, and for the generations after. You see, in Joseph's story, Joseph, when God revealed to him that dream in the beginning at Genesis 39, where he says that his family will bow down to him and then all these other things, it came when you read down further to 40, 41, 42, we see that in Joseph's story, when he became, when God took him out of the prison and he became ruler over all of Egypt, right underneath Pharaoh, the Bible says that God gave Joseph wisdom in order to prevent a famine that was coming. Now, the famine was affecting his family, it was affecting the society that he was in, and it would have impacted future generations to come because in famine, people die. So we see that God positioned Joseph in such a way so that when he was able to be in that position, he was able to make a severe impact, not only in terms of the economical relief of the, the nations around him, not just one nation, but the nations around him, but also his own family. So we see that God is a multifaceted God. When he comes to your destiny, it's not singular, 
but it's multifaceted, meaning that it can, it's going to hit every aspect of your life, your family, the people around you, your society, your workplace, everything matters when it comes to your destiny. That's why we should take it seriously and pursue it with diligence. And we pursue with diligence based on what Joseph did. Every time as we see the story of Joseph unfold, we see that the Bible says the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. But as you're doing this fast, you're not just asking God, God, reveal to me the plans that you have for my life. But you're asking God, God, give me the, the grace to always be in fellowship with you. Because that is the ultimate sure way of success and prosperity and favor in your life. Because it all comes from God. Amen. Now, I'm going to quickly go over. I'm going to quickly go over what happens when we don't pursue greatness or when we come out of pursuing greatness. And then we're going to pray. In the life of Saul, we see that Saul was called by God also, King Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 15 and 16, it says that now Saul had, now the Lord told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send a man from the land of Benjamin, and he shall anoint him, and you shall anoint him commander over my people of Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. So we see that even King Saul had a call over his life. Before King Saul was King Saul, God called him through Samuel. But you see, the thing that messed King Saul's life up was disobedience. When he got his eyes over what was most important, which was fellowship with God, which was communion with God. And because he lost his communion with God, he was just disobeying every word that God gave him. So we see that the foundation of pursuing greatness in the kingdom of God, it is through fellowship with Christ. When you don't have fellowship with Christ, you're trying to figure out things on your own. And we see that in the life of Samuel. After Samuel's trying to figure out, okay, let me do things to please people. Let me do things so that, you know, the people can, the people was his main objective. He let the people become his destiny, not the call of God over his life. And the moment you switch gears like that, then you are in trouble. Then bitterness starts to come. Then all these different aspects of you that start to bring you down start to come. And then this is the one thing that God doesn't want to do. He will replace you. He doesn't want to. You have to understand, God does not want to replace people. But when you are in persistent disobedience, he has to. Because at the end of the day, his kingdom is what is at stake. People's souls are at stake. The glory is at stake. God will give you chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. He's merciful. His mercy is new every morning. But we should not take his mercy and his grace as a chance to be like, all right, I'll start again tomorrow. All right, I'll get it done. Tomorrow. No. It is for us to do it now. It is for us to get serious with God now. So as I bring this message to an end, if there's nothing that you took from this, one thing I want to leave you with is that pursuit in the kingdom of God is one, for the glory of God and is contingent on your fellowship with God. And three, that it is made to not only bless yourself and bring favor for yourself, but for your family and for generations to come. So as I wrap up my message, I want us to understand that pursuit of greatness, even as you're doing this fast, even if you just joined us, even if you're just like, okay, I just want to do this fast because, you know, 14 days drive, let me just get a chance to, to lock in. Definitely lock in. But analyze your life with God. Analyze your fellowship with God. If there's anything that Joseph taught us is that his walk with God, his impact in the generations, the foundation of it was Christ. That's why the Bible says no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And as we're about to pray, I just want the Holy Spirit to just really work in us. Just prune anything out of us that is not of him so that we can ultimately pursue, pound the pursuit of greatness for his kingdom and for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 At this time, we're going to pray. Again, we're doing 14 days dry. Let us not let our prayers go to waste. Please unmute yourself. Let's begin to thank God for the word that has come. Ya 
God bless you for praying. We are praying our, our next prayer point. You see, the Bible says that in the beginning about Genesis 39, we see that God called Joseph through a dream, through a word. We are praying. You see, in order for you to pursue greatness, you have to believe the word of God. The Bible says he that comes to him must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seeks him. A lot of the times I believe that most of us on this line, God has already called us, but we don't believe it. We don't believe it. And it's, it is our unbelief that will cause us to not enter into the greatness and the promise that God has over our lives. We are praying and we're asking God that God. I don't want my unbelief to be a stumbling block for me, especially during this fast. God, work and we uproot any seed of unbelief that will cause me to not believe your word. If you look at the life of Joseph, Joseph was immature, but yet he believed. He believed the word of God over his life so much so that no matter what he went through, he still held on to the vision that God had for his life. We are praying and we're asking the Lord, Lord, uproot any seed of unbelief. I want to believe your word and your promise and your vision over my life. Begin to lift up your voice and pray. Ayah, <laughs> 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 
God bless you for praying. We are praying again. James chapter 1 verse 24. James said that, dear brothers and sisters, is your life full of difficulties and challenges and temptations? Then be happy. Rejoice. Consider it all joy. For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow and do not squirm out of your problems. For when patience is finally bloomed, then you will be ready for anything. We're asking God that through this fast, he will make us ready for anything. That means that our character has to be on the altar. That means that anything in us that will cause us to not walk in our destiny, we have to give the Holy Spirit full permission to do his best in us. To literally prune us like never before. I do not want this 14 days to be in vain in my life. I don't want to leave this 14 days still being the same Priscilla that I was. I want God to do his best by pruning me. And God, it's going to be painful. It's not going to be easy. You're going to even think about cursing God at one point. But you're praying that God will give you that strength to go undergo any challenge, any tribulation, any difficulty, whether through or after this fast, so that you can be equipped and ready for anything that he gives you. Begin to lift up your voice and pray. Oh, my God. 
I want us to pray this prayer. I want to stand on this word. Proverbs 13, verse 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled mm. is a tree of life. Mm. Sometimes the situations and the challenges of life can cause us to think, where is God? Mm. We're probably entering this fast and be like, listen, I hope that God, with this, 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 and you may even be defeated, not knowing that whether or not God truly has a plan for you because the tribulations and the challenges of your life have beaten you down. You are praying that God will revive your hope. The Bible says that he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he will increase their strength. We are praying, and you're praying for yourself that, Lord, through this fast, Lord, I mm. want you to energize and quicken me. Mm. I don't want to just be energized and quickened for this fast alone, but even after this fast. Lord, equip me. Train my hands for battle and my fingers for war. Help me to be steadfast and immovable so that the dream that you have for my life, I can continue to hold on to it. I want to see the dream that you have for my life fulfilled. I want to see the dream that you have for my family fulfilled. Begin to lift up your voice and energize you. 
We're praying our last prayer. We're praying our last prayer. We're praying that through this fast, and this has been my prayer even before this fast, that through this fast, every person that participates in this fast, not only will God reveal his plan and his destiny for you, but the ultimate plan and the destiny for every believer is that they will know Christ. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the Father in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It is that foundation that brings us success in everything that we do. It is that foundation. God can reveal the dream to you, but because you have not stewarded your fellowship with him, the dream can go astray. Not because God has caused it to go astray, but you have to understand, anything that is spirit has to be sustained by the spirit. Anything that is of God must be sustained by God. God can give you a vision, but then you, after you try to do it in the flesh, it will die. Mm -hmm. And you will die. The Bible says, curse is any man who depends on man for his strength and depends on flesh for his strength. It is a curse to try to fulfill the plan of God for your life in your own strength. You will be cursed. You are praying that God, through this fast, may you develop in me a consistency in my walk with you. That is one thing about Joseph. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. He had fellowship with God. 
We are praying, God, give me that consistency to have fellowship with you. May I not forsake the main thing. May I be like Mary that sat at your feet and chose the most important thing and will not be taken away from me. Just to lift up your voice and pray. I'm praying, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, O God, that you've called us for this fast. Lord, we thank you, O Lord, that before the foundations of the earth, you knew that we were going to do this, O God. Father, because you have called us, O Lord, you are the keeper. Keep us, O Lord. You are the shepherd of our souls. Shepherd us as we're going through this fast, O Lord. Father, O Lord, through this fast, we believe and we know, O God, that the plans that you have for us, O God, O Lord, it will be made known evidently, O God. Father, we pray, O God, if anyone's hope has been deferred, restore that hope in the name of Jesus. Father, we fill this fast in the blood of Jesus. We seal this fast in the fire of the Holy Ghost, O God, so that even after this fast, O Lord, the fire will not die. That even after this fast, O Lord, when the enemy comes, O Lord, with his schemes, O Lord, you will make us, O Lord, steadfast and immovable, O God. Father, O Lord, we commit our souls into your hands. We cannot do this without you, Holy Spirit. And I do this without you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, because of your love for us, because of the destiny and the plan and the seal of the Holy Spirit within us, oh God, see us through. Father, see us through. Father, see us through, oh God. And may the end not be in vain. For how can they know that you are for us unless they know you are with us, oh Lord? May your presence go before us, oh God. And may it be evidence, oh Lord, that this glory, the Shekinah glory that is embedded in us, oh Lord, will be manifest for all to see so that your name will be glorified. We thank you and we honor you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 What do we say to um Dickness Priscilla? Priscilla, God richly bless you for making yourself available for God to use you. We really appreciate your availability and your delivery. God richly bless you. So um the fast has begun. Um you started the teachings. Please make sure that you take notes because this is what God is going to examine you on. It's about the judgment. That is coming. It's about your works that is going to be evaluated. It is about the reward that you receive. So please, this is not just fasting and prayers as usual. 
these things are the very teachings of Jesus. And so, as this fast as you been, are, please, please, when you when you come, we are praying or you are praying. Please make sure that be active. When the teachings are going on, you write notes and apply what place the one making the noise. Can you mute yourself, please? Apply it in your life. So that's the essence of it all. As the teachings are coming, you check yourself where you fall short, work on it because you don't know. Even whilst we are going to share the benediction, you don't know what that immediately finish sharing the benediction, God is going to, uh, the, the, the trumpet is going to sound and Jesus will appear. You don't know. So please um, take note of this. The announcement uh, that tonight we are meeting at 9.30 and is it 9 o'clock or 9.30? I've forgotten the time. 9.30, please. 9.30, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 9.30 sharp. We are meeting. And then Friday, Friday, we, we, so throughout the week, we are meeting in the morning and the evening on Zoom from Monday to Thursday. Friday, we're going to be in person, we're going to be in the church from 8 p.m. to Sunday morning, 3 a.m. Sunday morning, 3 a.m. So all the two weekends, we're going to be inside. Now, this Saturday coming at 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. as part of this journey, the teens are also going to have in-house conf uh, conference. That is the legacy conference. So the teens from 13 to 19, they are also going to be inside. Whilst we are there waiting, they are going to, there's a session that they are going to um, go through teachings and their team is, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. So um, if you have, a brother or sister who is at the age of 13 years through 19, please tell the person that come and join the Brooklyn people or come and join the teens and let's wait upon the Lord. I believe that this fast, the Lord will do something new in your life. Amen. Shari, um, Share the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, be with us now, 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 And so the teens are meeting at. Uh, we are meeting five thirty to six. The teens are meeting now. So if you want to join the teens, you can join the teens. God bless you.